Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. To me, every time I get to peer back into my past, I don't peer back into my past and think like the good old days. You know what? I peer back into my past and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that when I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware I needed God, God came after me. Thank you for delivering me from the things that I've been delivered from. Thank you for, I've been blessed. It's been a blessing to know and to walk with the Lord. And so there should be a great thankfulness that we're in Him. Rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thankfulness. Thank you, God. But for the grace of God, there go I. It's important to remember your life before Jesus and all that God's brought you out of. That's exactly what Pastor Bill encourages you to do in today's message. Think about your past and remember all of the ways in which God has been faithful to you. Think about how He has redeemed you and set you on a new path in Him. Pastor Bill encourages you that God will continue to refine you from glory to glory. His love brings about radical transformation. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Deceivers, Cheaters, and Believers. I noticed this in Colossians that Paul keeps pointing them back to Jesus. At every juncture he can, he's pointing them to Jesus, the mystery of Jesus. Last week, what Christ has done for us. This week, you know, he's he's going to take us a little deeper into our relationship with Jesus. But he says, I want you guys to know these things. The mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Interesting that, you know, we always see them to kind of pair together. God the Father and God the Son. But Jesus said this in the gospel. If you've seen me, what do he say? You've seen the Father. And so Christ is, and this is why it's so important that we, we understand who Jesus is. Jesus helps me understand even who the Father is, right? Jesus is God's physical representation. Someone said it this way. Jesus is God who put human flesh on. He put skin on. So I could know, what, what's God like? You know, I read about God the Father, but what's God really like? He sent his son and came in the person of a man. He put on human skin. He entered into our world so we could see what God was like in, in skin, how did God treat people? How did God interact with people? How did God treat sinners? How did God treat religious? We see God in the flesh through Jesus. And so Jesus is our, our physical representation. So we can really understand and relate to God is. That's why Christ came. One of the reasons he came in the flesh in the way that he did. Look now at verse three. It says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want you to know the Bible calls them treasures. Treasures are something desirable, something that are that's valuable, something worth you know hunting for, going after. He says all the treasures, these are spiritual treasures, are hidden. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in, in Christ Jesus. That's where they're made available. And so I've often thought this. How many guys know people that like to get deep, philosophically deep? spiritually deep. I got to hang out yesterday. I got to talk to one of my buddies I grew up with. God, I've known my, my whole life and something that we were remembering. Um, I, before I met the Lord, let me preface that. So before I was a Christian, I would hang out with a bunch of guys and we would guys would drink and smoke weed and inevitably people drink and smoke weed and they get spiritual and they get deep. And sometimes the more you drink, the deeper you get, you know? And so I remember I, I had an apartment up at Dominguez Hills and it was a pretty mixed crowd. In this group, there were some deep, you know, thinking, drunk, high, supposed Christians. 
There was a couple guys that was 5% Islam. There was a couple guys with some new age stuff. But we would just sit there and guys would philosophize. And they would, you know, about God. And I was always out of it. I, I didn't believe in, I believed in God, but I was not any kind of religion. I was not claiming anything at that time. And so I would listen in and just, my argument was that they couldn't all be right. Y'all all saying something different. So everybody wrong, you know, everybody get out, you know, so it's all false. You know, that, that was where I stood at the time. But I remember that people would get deep and even now, now I'm saved. And I know the Lord, but I'll meet some people and they'd be like, Hey, I mean, and sometimes they, you know, you can know they think it's deep cause they say it like it's deep. They say, if you, I think some people say, if you say it slow enough, it'll be deep, you know? If you say it with sage in the air, it'll be really deep, you know, but here's the thing, right? You can't get deep spiritually apart from Jesus Christ and apart from the word of God. The only thing you can get deep in, if you remove God's word, you can get in deep trouble. You can get in deep error. But if you remove God's word, you are not, there ain't nothing spiritually deep about whatever you come up with apart from Christ and apart from his word. And so here he says, look, in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want to have wisdom and knowledge, you got to, you got to come to Christ and you got to study his word. And so you can have a young person, you can have a, a young boy, young girl that knows the Lord and reads the word and they can, they have wisdom. They can have wisdom that's, that's beyond some old folks because wisdom is, is wrapped up in a relationship with the Lord. Wisdom is not automatically yours because you got gray hair. Y'all know there's some old fools out there. And so the wisdom is not, it's not automatic. It's not because I'm old. I have wisdom. You old, you've been here a long time. Wisdom is, is, it comes from God. And so a young person can have old wisdom. You can have a young person that's really committed to the Lord and they have, they got wisdom. They got old person wisdom in a young person's mind and heart and body because that young person is listening to the Lord. And, and God don't make you wait for wisdom. Wisdom is not something that, you know, well, you, you can only attain so far at 15, you know, 20 or whatever. How deep do you want to go and how far do you want to be? You want to know the Lord, you can know the Lord right now. You want to know the Lord deeply, you can know the Lord deeply right now. You can continue in that. And you know what you'll find out? It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. You're never going to know all of it. God will continue to reveal more and more and more. But I, I want us to know that there is no wisdom apart from him. Anybody that thinks they have wisdom apart from God, they're not, they have no wisdom. The Bible even warns us in, in Psalm 1-1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? That means that there's a lot of people offering counsel, but if the counsel doesn't come from God, that's ungodly counsel. And God says, you'll be very happy if you don't walk in it. Um, and so there are people that have gone to school, they got degrees, and if you sit down with them, I'll tell you, married people, if you go to secular marriage counseling, they can't help you. They can't help get to the root of your problems. I've heard of secular marriage counseling telling people, you know, if you guys aren't happy together, God wants you to be happy. Just break up and be happy. I've never seen a happy divorce, right? Anybody here seen a happy Maybe you, I, I've never seen a happy divorce. And so that's, that's, not the, that's not what God would say. What would God say? Die to yourself. Forgive. Work it out. You made a commitment. You're in a covenant till death do us part. The win in the Christian realm, the win is to win that marriage back. The win there is to, to overcome, not to just get away and try and start. And then you're going to take your unhappy self to some new person and do it all over again. And, and then, and he's you know what? I'm unhappy again. And God wants me to be, that's what some people think. God wants me to be happy. Find that verse, right? Find that verse in your Bible. I'm going to tell you what this, God never says, I want you to be happy, but he does do this. He does instruct us how to be happy. Throughout the scripture, God says, you'll be happy if you do this and you'll be happy if you don't do that. But he never explicitly says, I, my intention in life is for you to be happy. 
Some people got that mixed up in their marriage. You know, my marriage, I'm not happy in my marriage and God wants me to be. No, no, he didn't say that. There's not a verse on marriage where God says, I want your marriage to be happy. So if you got married thinking that you should have got premarital counseling, it would have helped you out. You know, that's just not there, right? That marriage is an opportunity for you to grow in Christ. You're going to learn about him. You're going to learn about being like him. You're going to learn how to die to yourself. Anybody married? Does marriage teach us how to die? Married folk? Say it loud for the singles. Does marriage teach you how to die? Some of y'all should scream it in blood curling screams, right? So you learn how to die, right? So you can live. So it is a blessing though. It do have some perks, but I'll leave that alone. So, So you can't get deep apart from the Lord. It's not possible. And so he warns him of this here. Now, interesting, like all knowledge is found in Christ. Jesus is literally truth incarnate. So he said this about himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No way to the Father except through me. And people have defined the difference between knowledge and wisdom this way, that knowledge is the understanding of truth. Knowledge is knowing the truth, the understanding the truth. And then wisdom is the ability to apply the truth that you know. So wisdom is applying it. So wisdom has more to do with what I'm doing with the knowledge that I have. I have the wisdom to apply the knowledge. Knowledge is just knowing stuff. And so we want both. But both of them are found in Christ. And here's the thing. I may have all the knowledge of what God wants me to do. I need the strength of the Lord to now apply it. Have you found that sometimes we know what to do, but then we need strength to be able to do the right things? I need strength from God. God, when we pray for wisdom, I'm saying, God, give me strength to live according to what I know. I know the truth. I think most Christians, if we lived according to the truth that we know, we'd be okay. It's, it's that we don't do what we know that gets us into trouble. And so again, Paul is praying for these believers that they would just enter into the Lord, that they would tap into all these things. He's letting them know that it's in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now look at verse four. He gives his first, you know, kind of insight to them or, or what he's concerned about. He says, now this I say, least anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Paul says, look, the reason I'm saying this stuff to you is I don't want you guys to be deceived. I don't want anyone to be able to deceive you with persuasive words. That was his concern for them, that people were coming that were persuasive. And and they were, you know, that he didn't want them to be able to be deceived with persuasive words. So Paul is ministering to them. Now, this is similar to what John the apostle wrote to the in, in his first epistle, right? In first John chapter one, verse twenty six, he said, These things I write to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So this is what we need to know as believers is that one of the tricks of Satan, the consistent tricks of Satan, Satan uses deception. God uses, God is about truth and Satan uses deception to keep people from the truth. You see this throughout the Bible. The very first two human beings that were made, Satan came along and what did he do to Eve? He deceived her. He tricked her. How did he trick her? What, were, what was his tool of, of deception? Lies. He lied to her. He lied on God. He lied about what the tree would do if she ate it. He lied about God's motive. She said, you know, he told her that God was keeping something good from her and she got deceived and she ate it. That's what Satan does. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. John eight forty four talks about Satan that he was a liar from the beginning and he does it. He says, whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own resources because he was a liar and a murderer from the very beginning. And so deception has gone out into the world today. There's so many different beliefs and practices. And so I've had Christians ask me before, why does God let there be so many religions? Because it's confusing. Why are so many things happening out there? And, and I, I always try to remind people, don't blame God for everything you see, right? There is a devil out here 
working, working on the other side. And so I believe that Satan throws these things out. The Bible says God says about himself that he is not the author of confusion. Satan authors confusion. And so how do I make sure I don't get wrapped up in a lie? I know there are people that, that have maybe been part of cults. Or maybe you got sucked into some weird practice or belief at some point in time. Paul is saying, I don't want you guys to be deceived. There are people coming in and it says they're persuasive, right? They're good. These guys are deceiving. That word deceive means to, to deceive by false reasoning. So to trick someone using words, using philosophy and reasoning to trick them out of the truth. He says, now this I say, at least anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So what he's previously said and what he's getting ready to say is to protect them from the deception that the enemy would bring upon them. And so look at verse five. Now he says, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And I want to point this out. Paul says, look, I'm absent physically. But I'm with you in spirit. And so for some of us that, you know, maybe we don't minister in this setting. Maybe, you're, maybe your ministry is not up front or in a visible place. But it's very possible to serve God and to minister to the saints in ways that are unseen. Paul says, I'm not present. You guys can't even see me. But in spirit, I'm there. So if you get up at your house and you pray for some brother or sister and you're sincerely bringing them before the Lord, you're not with them in the flesh, but you are with them in spirit. Amen. And intercession is, is important that we do that. It's important that we, we carry one another's burdens. When we, when we hear something going on with somebody, I might not be able to be there with you, but I can, I can genuinely spend some time lifting you up and taking these things before the Lord, knowing that God who is with me is with you. God who's in my bedroom in Inglewood is wherever you are on the other part of the world. We can pray for each other. We can intercede. We can, we can tap in that way. And so Paul said, look, I'm, Paul is locked up right now, right? He said, I'm, I'm on lockdown. But I'm mindful of you guys and I'm praying for you guys and I'm concerned in spirit. I'm with you guys. I care and I'm with you guys. And so moving on. So he says, I'm absent in the flesh, but I'm with you in spirit and I'm rejoicing to see your good order and steadfast. Those two words, order and steadfastness are military terms. Order, it describes the order of a company of soldiers. And then when he says the steadfastness, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's them getting into motion. It's like them flanking out, you know? And so Paul said, look, I, when I hear that you guys are, are together, when I hear about the, the unity, the strength that you guys have, he says, I, I rejoice in that. I'm rejoicing to see that you guys are ordered and you guys are ready to go. So he's saying there's, he, there's some good things about this church, but I'm also concerned that the enemy is coming forward. And I believe that when there is a solid work of God, when there is a, a good thing going on, you can know that the enemy's going to try to join. The enemy's going to try to, to interfere with what God is doing. I've seen times when God was just doing a sweet work and then the enemy just shows up with something, you know, sometimes the enemy wants to distract. I regularly pray that I always pray before every Sunday, every Wednesday, I pray that Lord, I pray you would bind Satan. That he wouldn't be able to do anything to distract or to hinder from the work that you want to do because he always wants to do that. He always wants to hinder, always wants to distract. I can think of so many times where there was some ministry going on, something something that God was doing and then the enemy would throw a curveball. It might be a person that he sends. It might be, you know, some weird thing that happens and, and we just got to be alert and, and ready for it, right? The healthier a church is, the quicker we'll find, we'll spot false teaching and be able to flush it out. When you got a church full of people that know the word and are bold in their stands for Christ and somebody come in with some weird stuff and, you know, they, they go over here and whisper it and they go over there and whisper it. And before you be five people will be bringing them up saying this person is saying this, 
you know, we can deal with it quickly. You know, it, it won't spread. So we, I want y'all to know y'all are deputized. Somebody here, somebody creeping here saying some weird stuff. You don't you, you got to wait. You can deal with it on, on the spot. If they saying something that's not true to say, grab a pastor, grab a, grab somebody. Hey, come here, come here, come here. Here, hear what this guy is saying. Go ahead, say it again. Say it again. You know, say it, say it. Now, say it one more time. You know, just put, put them on blast. Look, I don't want it to grow. I don't want those things to happen. We've had that, right? We had a guy come at one point and he was trying to take everybody out to lunch. And he had some weird end time. He had wrote some book and he had some weird end time view and he was just trying to permeate the group. But here's the thing. He took three people out and I had three people call me and say they had the same questions. They're like, hey, I was talking to this guy. He said some weird stuff, man. And, and I said, man, if the first guy answered all the questions, the second guy said, man, this second guy that called me with some weird stuff. Like the third guy said, where are you getting this from? This is the third one. And they said, oh, this is the same. This guy took me out. I called everybody else back and I said, oh, we, we got it. You know, I was glad that they they thought it was weird, that it didn't line up to what they had already known the word said. And it got exposed quickly before anything else happened. That should happen in a healthy church. So, so know that y'all are all deputized. And if somebody come up walking up to you with some weird stuff, blast them. In the name of Jesus, right? I got your back. So <laughs> we're not having that up in here. So so moving on, verse 6 now, Paul says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is so important, right? Now Paul's instructing. He's already let them know, I'm writing these things that you wouldn't be deceived by people with persuasive words. He says this in verse 6, Now as you receive Christ, so walk in him. How do you receive Christ? By faith, right? Faith in his word. Simple faith. He says, as you have received him, now walk. Simple faith. Don't get tricky. Don't let it get confusing. How did you receive Christ? It was simple. Anybody here remember how you got saved? It, was, it wasn't that difficult. You didn't have to turn, you know, turn flips and run laps. And it was very simple. It was faith in the finished work of Jesus. God says, now, now keep walking in that. Keep walking with faith in the finished work of Jesus. Continue to walk that way. Continue to walk with, as a person with faith in Christ, faith in God, faith in what God says, faith in his word. Just the same way you started is the way you need to keep going. Don't let somebody pull up on you and say, well, now if you really want to get into the deep things of God, I got this books that you got to go through, right? Careful, careful. I, I don't need, I need the Bible and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's all, that's all you ever need, right? Now, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to books and helps and stuff like that, but I don't need them. I need Jesus. I need the word of God. I need the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. Those other things are cool. They might be helpful, but I don't need them. If I need an outside book to come to the faith that you have, probably not the faith I want, right? If somebody show up at your door with the Bible and another book, you need this other book to understand the Bible, you should throw both of them out, right? Because I just need the Bible. I, if, if God's word can't get me there, I don't want to go. Amen? So as you have received him, so walk in him. Received him with simplicity, by faith. Verse 7, I love these two words. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Rooted, he used the agricultural word, rooted. And then he uses an architectural word, built up. And, and both are important because one goes down and one goes up. Rooted in agriculture, we understand that you got the roots got to go down and they got to get nutrients underground. So when you're being rooted, it's not really visible, is it? Now, it's, it's happening, it's happening in, in the unseen. It's happening under the ground, but it's, it's preparing you to be built up. So you got to get rooted first 
And then you can build on that. So, you know, if you got a big tree, it's got to have deep roots. And so God says, first you get rooted. And so the work that God does, anybody get walking with the Lord first, there's a work he's doing. It's internal. And you don't really see a whole lot right away. But God is the roots are going down. There's faith in Christ and you're growing your faith in his word and hopefully you're growing in obedience and there's repentance from sin and the roots are going down. The connection to God is getting deeper. The commitment to his truth is going deeper. And then God says at a point, now we can start to build up. Now we, the roots have gone down far enough. Now, now the agricultural term, now we're going to build you up. And now we'll begin to do some things. Now, now we got a foundation on which to build. And I want you guys to know, and all of us, that's what God wants to do. What religion is, is religion is throwing a facade, right? Religion is putting something on, you know, putting a good paint job on a jacked up car. That's religion, right? Make it look shiny and good, but on the inside, it's all messed up. That's what religion wants you to do. Look good while you're practically bad. What God wants is, he says, I, I want to do the slow work. I want to plant. I want to till the soil. I want to put the seed in. I want to water it. And I want the roots to go down. And, and I, want, I, want, I want it takes time. And the roots got to go down. It's got to grow. But that's going to take time. But you'll get there. Just keep feeding. Just keep spending time in my word. Keep spending time in prayer. Keep growing with the saints. And, and the, the roots will go down deeper and further. And you'll get stronger. And eventually, God says, now, let's, now, now I want to do something with you. Then begins to be a desire. God, I, I want to serve you. I'm getting in touch with what my gifts are. Now I want to, I want to branch out. I want to be useful to the Lord. I want to be, I want to do something for God. And God says, now we'll build you up. Now we'll build something on top of that. And so again, he says, Paul says, rooted and built up. And the key phrase is rooted and built up in what? In him, it's in Jesus. You're not rooted in anything else but Jesus. And you won't be built up in anything else but Jesus. Jesus is everything, you guys. The roots go down into Jesus and we get built up in Jesus what Paul is teaching the Colossians and what we're learning through this is that everything is wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus. It's not, you're not rooted in, in academics or built up in, you know, some other kind of rooted and built up. It's all in him. It's all in Christ, all in our relationship with him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. So this is what Paul wants them to continue rooted, built up, established in the faith. And eventually he says, just, just abounding in it with thanksgiving. We should be full of joy. Just abounding in our, our fruitfulness, and our relationship with the Lord with thanksgiving. There should be a gratefulness about this. The further you get going, the further you walk with the Lord, there should be a great thankfulness. It, to me, every time I get to peer back into my past, I don't peer back into my past and think like the good old days. You know what? I peer back into my past and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that when I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware I needed God, God came after me. Thank you for delivering me from the things that I've been delivered from. Thank you for, I've, I've been blessed. This, it's been a blessing to know and to walk with the Lord. And so there should be a, a great thankfulness that we're in him. Rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thankfulness. Now he gives another warning in verse 8. Verse 8 he says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. First thing he warned them about in verse four was he said, now at least anyone should deceive you. He wrote these things. But now he says in verse eight, beware, least anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. So I don't know if you've ever been cheated, you guys, like somebody cheated you, ripped you off or bumped your head. Um, I see these guys at Home Depot and they'll be in a truck. They'll roll up to a shopping center in a truck and in the back of the truck, they got, you know, boxes with 
flat screen TVs and sound surround sound systems, and they'll say, "Hey, man, we we got extras, you know." So I can make you a great deal right now. anybody anybody here seen those guys? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Let me, let me tell you the game. I'm gonna give you the game right now. So they have boxes and they have the externals of these items, but the insides are cheap stuff. So they might have a thirty dollar TV encased in the frame of a three thousand dollar TV. We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is calvaryinglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you, just in case you missed it. That number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California, at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again, right here on A Transforming Word.